Oh, I don't have my monitor. All right. Hey, let me share with you this morning a very important word. Everybody say it with me. Perusia. One more time. Perusia. I'm going to watch TV while you guys uh, are busy here. So let me just get this going. All right, what is perusia? Well, perusia is a term used for a triumphal entry in Roman times. This was something, a, a language that everybody was aware of. And the word perusia comes from para, which means alongside of, right? We know the paraclete. The Holy Spirit who's called alongside of us. Para means to come alongside. Uzia means to be or to be in person. So basically what it means is a personal visitation. So how many of you want a personal visitation? Amen. Say parousia. Now, the concept of parousia in the Roman culture and in the world of first century Palestine that Jesus lived in and all the folks around the world uh, at that time understood is that it was a visitation from a hero or a governor or a military leader or someone very important. So word would come around town and they would clamor in Jerusalem that a pilot or, or a governor is coming in. And so it's a Perusia day. So what is normal at Perusia is as the Roman leader or maybe a great hero would come into the city, and this would happen all over the provinces, the people of the city would come out to the hero, out of town, and meet them and turn around and parade into the city. Say Perusia. So it was a joyous time and it was a great day. And so everybody would call, grab their palm branches and grab uh, clothing and so forth and, and go into the parade because today is Perusia. And so they'd go out to meet that governor or that person and uh, they would come in. Now there's five things that would happen. That would be the triumphal entrance. They'd come into the city triumphantly with the hordes of people, and the parade would welcome them. And so everybody's parading and singing, and then there would be hymnic acclamation. You know what hymnic is? It's not the Heimlich. It's a hymnic. Uh, they'd sing. Yahoo! Great is Caesar. Great is uh, Tiberius. Great is whoever they're celebrating there, right? All right? Uh, don't get worried. We're not worshiping Caesar this morning. You're all looking at me like, you're not supposed to say that. But they would. They'd say whoever that leader was, and they'd wave victory flags, and they would sing songs, Roman songs. And then the city officials, the leaders of the city would come out and give him, if you will, the key to the city. I don't think they had a key like we do. But they would welcome them, and the city leaders would take the moment to say, we welcome you to the city. We are thankful to the gods that you have entered here and come to this city, and uh, we thank you for it. And that great hero and leader would say, you bet. And uh, riding in on his white horse, uh, he would come in. And then his first order of business, receiving, if you will, the key of the city from the people, is he would go to the temple of that city so that he would offer a sacrifice in the temple to bless the city of the gods. And that's called parousia. It's a common Greek term. Common in everybody's understanding. Now, it happened in Jerusalem on a particular day for the Jews. And the parousia of this day is found in Luke chapter 19. Would you please turn there 
with me. Let's look at the parousia of Jesus, the triumphal entry of Jesus. Luke 19, if you will. In Luke 19, we see what we call the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. And if you don't understand the culture of the day, you don't recognize what's going on. We just think, this is crazy, this is cool, Jesus is coming in, and how fun is that? But it's actually following the culture of the day for a triumphal entry or for a parousia. And so Jesus comes in, and we pick up the story at verse 28 of chapter uh, 19. And in, let's see, where am I? Here we go. And he had said these things, and he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem when he drew near to Bethage of Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet. He sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a colt on which no one has yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why you're untying it, you say, the Lord has need of it. Now, this is fascinating. Obviously, God had spoken to the person who owned that colt colt, and said that when someone tells you the master needs it, give him the colt. It was a password, right? And uh, so God gave that guy a password. The disciples, the two of them, they, they just went and did what they were told. How many of you know that if you're just told, if you will follow through with what you're told, God will make it work out. Many times God tells you to speak to someone, you go, I don't know if I should. But that person was waiting for someone to speak to them. I've had that happen so many times. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. What should I say? Just tell them God loves them. Oh, that's not good enough. I need something really prophetic. But they had been praying all night long. God, would you have somebody say that you love me? And so God sees it. Just be obedient. And they went and they got the colt. And so the triumphal entry is the parousia. Jesus gets on a colt that has never been ridden, much like those great heroes who would enter into the city on a white stallion. He comes humble and lowly and meekly and rides a colt. And fulfilling, if I may say, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. It was prophetic. And God had worked it out. So in the triumphal entry, he rides this colt into the city fulfilling prophecy. Now, let's continue. What's the second point that's supposed to happen? A parade is supposed to welcome him. And it says in verse 32, For those who were sent away and found it, as he had said, and as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, throwing their cloaks on the colt. They set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their coats on the road. And as he was drawing near, near where? To Jerusalem, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he had, they had seen. And so the parade starts. All the disciples come out. Now the people in the city are going, what's going on? And so there's a parousia, 
a visitation today, someone important, someone official. And so they grab palm branches and everybody grabs their cloaks and the hymnology begins, the song begins. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they begin to rejoice and wave palm branches in their coats, laying them down. And the parousia begins. The triumphal entry as a great warrior and as a great hero comes into the city. So Jesus does for the Jews. It's normal in their culture to see this and hear this. And then the Roman citizens are like, well, who's this guy? You know, and the Jews are like, Hosanna, this is it. And in their minds, they're thinking, Messiah, could this be it? Hallelujah. And they begin singing and shouting. Now, what's supposed to happen next is the city officials, the leaders of that movement are to come out and receive him. And it says this, they start singing, verse 38, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. Wow, things are getting a little riled up here. Now the Romans are paying attention. They're a little bit nervous. All these Jews are clamoring and gathering together. Do you know that there are so many in Jerusalem because of the three feasts out of the year, Jews are supposed to come back to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And so it's crowded. The streets are filled. Romans are always worried about these feast days in Jerusalem because these Jews come in and flood the place. And now they're singing and saying there's a king that's entering into the city. And now they're singing. The king is here. The king is here. And so the welcome from the city officials and the religious leaders, ah, now it's supposed to happen. And uh, some of the Pharisees in the crowd come out and they say this. Teacher, tell your people to shut up. Wait a minute. This is, this is the glory of Messiah. They don't recognize him. But the people are ready, but they don't see it. And the religious leaders who should have welcomed him as prophetically the Son of God, the Messiah, as they saw him raise Lazarus just days before, as they see him heal the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, and speak and preach. Instead of a welcome, they rebuke him and say, shut your people up. And Jesus says, I tell you, if these were silent... The stones and rocks themselves would cry out. For this is prophetic. This was prophesied before time began. This was spoken of by Zechariah and Isaiah. This was spoken of Daniel that on this very day Christ would enter into Jerusalem. Daniel had given the dates and the very specific number of days till Messiah would ride into Jerusalem. And Jesus says, even if the people won't receive me, this planet will recognize me. Something goes awry and something goes wrong with Israel in this parousia. We get our clue by the next point as Jesus begins to weep. And instead of blessing, verse 41 says this, He drew near the city and He began to weep over it. Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now, they're hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. 
and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. In a parousia, the great hero and leader is to come in and bring a blessing. But they rejected him. And instead of the religious leaders receiving him, they rebuked him. And instead of blessing, Jesus cursed. Your time is up, Jerusalem. Oh, how I have longed to gather you unto myself as a mother hen gathers her chicks. But you would not. Now, many scholars don't tie the next event in, but it is exactly what takes place in a parousia. For as the leader comes into the city, the first thing he goes to is what? The temple. And when Jesus goes to the temple after being accepted, although he was rejected, he would go and offer a sacrifice. But instead, when Jesus gets into the temple, I'm telling you, a holy zeal and fire comes over him. And as he walks into the temple, he does not bless the city. He does not honor the officials. He comes in and he begins to make a whip and turn over the money changers and beat the animals and command everyone to get out of here. For my Father's house is a house of prayer. They did not recognize that the dwelling place of God was literally being visited by God Himself. And Jesus turns over the money changers. And what was a triumphal entry of Perusia to a king became the last call in judgment upon Jerusalem. But what they don't understand and what many Christians don't realize is that this is actually the beginning, the first of seven parousias that become a chain events of Jesus triumphantly entering into the realms of earth, below the earth, and the heavenlies. Jesus, at this point on, is going to bust loose the power of sin and hell. He is not only triumphantly entering into Jerusalem, which they did not see, he is now going to triumphantly enter into the grave and into hell and into heaven. There's no stopping him now. Consider the parousia. That it is at this rejection that was necessary so that they would be blinded to now crucify the Lord of glory according to Scripture. And so Jesus now is going to be taken to the cross where He will be nailed there to die as an atoning sacrifice for you and I. And in that place where no one understood how Messiah was going to die as the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, it was God's plan. And it was the beginning of his parousia into death. Into, in fact, hell itself. I want you to understand that as Jesus hung on that cross, taking the weight of our sin upon us and taking the wrath of God's judgment upon our sins, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And it is as he said on that cross, it is finished. 
Jesus then prepares his parousia into the realm of the dead. For in the Apostles' Creed we declare, and he descended into hell. Luke 16, 26 tells us that there were two compartments. Jesus tells us, not in a parable, but he speaks of Lazarus and the rich man. And he says that Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom, in Sheol or the grave or Hades. And that the rich man is in the lower compartments of hell, tormented, wanting a drop of water. He, they are conscious, they are aware, they are aware of the chasm between them. They look to each other, they see this and they recognize that there is a place, a holding tank, if you will, for the righteous who lived from Adam all the way till Christ's death. For the righteous could not go to the presence of God because there was no sacrifice for sin until then. And so they were in that place of upper shoal called Abraham's bosom. And it tells us that when he said, it is finished and into thy hands I commend my spirit, it is at this point that Jesus is now going to have a parousia into hell. Can you imagine that? It says in 1 Peter 3, 19 and 20, Jesus went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formally did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. That word proclaimed, it means that he declared. He was not offering them salvation. Once you die, as appointed unto man, once to die, then the judgment. Anybody that's dead is already sealed their fate eternally. He did not go down there offering them salvation. He went down there to proclaim who he was. As you imagine this parousia, he's coming forth. And can you imagine the clamor to come out and meet him? Can you imagine as he enters into Abraham's bosom? Huh? And Adam and Eve look at each other and say, This is the seed of the woman that was promised. Abraham says, I saw you. You were the one in the bush. You were the one when Isaac was to be sacrificed. I could tell you're the ram in the thicket. Isaiah says, You are the suffering servant. And John the Baptist comes running out and said, I told all of you he was near. He was coming. John the Baptist not only preached to the people on the earth, but once he was in Sheol, you know he had something to say of who he baptized. And the parade begins, and the worship begins, and the, I don't know if they had palm branches there, but they began to wave their hands. And it says, he descended into the lower parts. Peter says this, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led host the captives, Who are those captives? Those who were captive in Abraham's bosom. And it says, and he gave gifts to men. It is that he who ascended also is the one who descended into the lower regions of the earth. Who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Can you imagine the officials of This upper part of Abraham's bosom welcoming Jesus. His welcome there was glorious. King David, I'm sure, began to bust out in his dance before the ark instead of a wooden box. He's dancing before the very ark of God himself. Daniel having visions of God. Ezekiel seeing the throne room recognizing that face. 
Jacob said, I could have swore I wrestled with you all night long. And they welcomed him for salvation has come. And he displayed and proclaimed who he was to all those in the lower parts who did not see so that every tongue would confess and every knee would bow. That is the Lord. And so the parousia began, and it says that he led captivity captive in a parade. So where, where, where is the next parade? It is going into the very presence of the Father. The next parousia, although there was a little delay because he had to spend 40 days with the disciples to get their act together before he handed the kingdom over. It says he led captivity, those who were captive, he led them forth. And so, after 40 days with his disciple, he ascends into heaven for his coronation. And I believe that parousia, that the Spirit sprinkled the blood on the altar, and Jesus comes forth into the heavenlies as a man of flesh and bone to stand before the very throne of God. And can you imagine all who were in Abraham's bosom bringing this parade in and now it opens up into the great realm of the presence of God in His throne room and all the angels begin to cry out and begin to worship and begin to extol the majesty and the hymns begin to rise up and the song of the Lamb begins to cry out and all those who have gone before the saints upon saints come in. The angels Angels bow and move. The 24 elders bow down and the living creatures cry out and the seraphim begin to rejoice. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. And the parousia into heaven takes place where Jesus sits upon the throne triumphantly entering the parousia of heaven. Is that it? Is it over? Is the parousia done? No. Because 50 days after the ascension comes the parousia of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. There's another triumphal entry coming into this planet, coming into the earth. Though they rejected Christ in Jerusalem at His initial triumphal entry, He's coming as the Comforter, the power of the Holy Spirit. And as He comes, they hear a mighty rushing wind. The parousia is coming, but He's not riding a horse. He's riding fire. And He sounds like a mighty rushing wind. And the 120 in the upper room are waiting, praying, interceding, wondering what to do at the entrance of God's Holy Spirit. And as the Spirit comes forth with a mighty rushing wind, all of a sudden, instead of balm branches, fire begins to burst out over their heads. And they begin to pray. And the Spirit of God fills the room. And they are filled with a triumphal entry of the Spirit of God dwelling in man. A triumphal entry that had never happened before. And they received Him. And as they receive Him, they begin to worship. They begin to sing in every language, tongue, and every tribe. And they rush out into the streets declaring, Acts 2 says, speaking all the great and glorious works of God. They begin to worship God. 
They begin to extol his virtues, and they do it in every language known to man in that city. The parousia of God's presence has now entered in, not to a building. He didn't go to the temple because he knew that thing was going to come down. He ripped the thing up. He shredded the veil, and he said, I'm done with it. And now there's a new temple, and this temple received the parousia of the great King Jesus Christ. And by His Spirit, they were all filled with the Spirit and went out into the streets and began to proclaim the parousia of God's kingdom in that place. Hallelujah. Which leads us to the parousia of another triumphal entry, and that is the church. The parousia of the church. It is God's intention that His body, the body of Christ, did not leave planet earth. The head did, but the body remains. Now invigorated with the parousia and life of Jesus Himself, we are His body, we are His hands and feet, and we are to take this power and we are to take this gospel and triumphantly enter into every city, every nation, every town, every house and bring the presence of God to them. That's the triumphal entry. Oh, it didn't stop and it hasn't stopped for 2,000 years. Don't think that just because you've got special interest groups and you've got a society of people who are going to reject Christianity, don't you think for a minute it is going to stop the parousia and the triumphal entry of the church bringing this message into this world? No way. Any regime, any leaders, any authorities that have ever tried to stamp out the church, when you step on it, it multiplies. Just ask China. Just ask Russia. Ask the communist countries who cannot last, but the church triumphantly enters in faith continually. And so the parousia of the church, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphant procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. We are in a triumphant procession. We are in an age of parousia. We are the presence, the personal parousia, the personal presence of God in this planet. So that if you would recognize that when someone talks to you, you can respond with the power of Christ back to them. When someone touches you, they're touching the hem of his garment. You're the triumphal entry and presence of God. You are the temple of God in this world. You are the blessing that Jesus wanted to give to Jerusalem. He's now giving to all tribes, nations, and tongues through his church the triumphal entry of His church. And this church, brothers and sisters, is not going to escape out of a back door. This church is not going to dwindle into some mysterious evacuation. This church is going to bring the glory and the power of the King Himself at His parousia for a second time. For the Word of God tells us that when Christ returns and 
Paul tells us and uses the word parousia. The word parousia is used 24 times in the Bible and it is in reference to Jesus' second coming, which is a little different from the first. As Hebrews tells us, he is not coming to deal with sin because he's already accomplished that. He's coming back now, not on a mule, not on a colt, lowly or humbly. He is coming back as the ferocious El Gabor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the wonderful Counselor. He is coming back on a white horse with all his saints and angels coming with him. It tells us that when he returns in his parousia, we will be caught up in the air with him. Just as a parousia, when all in that city would come out to meet him, we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye and a flash. We will be raptured up at his coming and join him in the sky to return triumphantly into this planet for his triumphant Perusia. Oh my. <laughs> In fact, it says that when they led him to his trial at his first Perusia, he said to his disciples, because they just didn't understand it, he said, They who will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud of glory with great power. And then as he stood before the high priest, And the high priest questioned him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Hmm. I thought Jesus never said He was the Messiah. I thought Jesus never said He was God. He said it right there before the priest. And it says the priest ripped his clothes and said there's nothing else that needs to be said. Kill the man. What they didn't understand is that was the plan. To unleash the parousias of God. God is personally in this fight. Jesus gave himself. Jesus descended into hell to take captive those who had been waiting for the salvation. He perusiaed them up into the presence of the Father and from there released the perusia of His Spirit. And as the Spirit entered into the temple to bring blessing to this planet, it unleashed the perusia of the body of Christ into all nations. And we are now effectively bringing the presence of Christ personally to this world to make all His enemies His footstool so that at the parousia, the second coming of Christ, He will come in clouds of glory and He will bring His ultimate judgment and kingdom over sin once and for all. Ho, 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 ho. Parousia. Oh, I'm sorry, that's only six. There is another parousia after a thousand years of Jesus ruling and reigning. He will bring the parousia of the new Jerusalem into planet earth. (laughs) And that parousia will come. And he will cleanse the earth with fire. And we will rule and reign with him. And the parousia is not just the presence of God, but the kingdom of God. Heaven will now merge with the physical. The spirit and the the physical will marry together. And heaven will touch earth. And there will be no need for the sun. For the lamb is the light thereof. And Christ will be the light of the world. And God will dwell with man completely. And the final parousia will take place. And you 
are participating in all of it. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> this is the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens so often in our theology and in our doctrine is we cut and paste, cut and paste, and we so often don't understand the threads that are running through the themes of all of it. And a simple word, understanding the parousia and what it meant culturally, it's why the gospel writers, it's why Paul and Matthew and Luke, it's why they used this imagery. It is why Jesus used a common Roman theme for himself. Now, to celebrate this Passover, we've seen the things that are necessary for a parousia. Number one, a triumphal entrance. So I would ask this of you. Have you had a triumphal entry of Christ into your heart? Because if you haven't, this is my opportunity to give you the parousia you've always been waiting for. The visitation the one who will come and abide. Jesus said, my Father and I will make our abode in you. You will be the temple he lives in and visits if you will accept Jesus Christ. You see, like those who were in Sheol, they could not be in the presence of God because their sins were not yet atoned by the true Lamb of God. But once the cross was finished, it atoned for sin, canceling it out, so that now if you would accept what Christ did on the cross, <coughs> you would have your sins cleansed and He would triumphantly capture you and enter you and have you seated in heavenly places with Him. So I would ask this morning, is there anyone that has never received Christ Anyone who has never asked him into their lives, that he's never triumphantly saved your soul and brought you in, is there anyone here this morning, just by raising your hand, that you would say, yes, I want Jesus to come into my life and to capture me, to forgive me and make me whole? Anyone this morning? Then all of you have had this triumphal entry. Well, then the next thing to do is sing about it. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Is to rejoice in it and to declare it. And for all who are ruling and reigning with Christ is to receive Him as an entrance into this house and to pray, Oh God, we would be honored if You would pour Your Spirit upon us. You dwell in us. But won't you reign and fill this place with majesty and glory? Won't you come now and fill this place as we receive you? And he will visit the temple, his people, the church, and he will bless. Let us stand this morning.